Bright Metal Audio presents The Blood Miles by Andrew Moody, read by the author. Volume 1 Chapter 8 I nearly missed the turn-off. It came on a curve of the old highway, and the sign that marked it had been pulled up and dumped in the culvert. The track was narrow, with grass growing between the wheel ruts and scrub on either side. But I turned and followed it back toward the mountains, and the hills rose and closed in around me. When the sun began to sink, I retreated into them, and made my fire in the crook of an old creek bed. There was still no water this side of the mountains, but I had the canteen from the safe, and as long as I carried it in the air and hung it up overnight, it always provided enough for me to drink. If I needed more for cooking, I could walk around twirling it by its carry loop for twenty or thirty minutes until it filled. That's what I was doing when I heard the sound of a vehicle coming up the road from the west. It seemed to go past me. Stop and go back. I abandoned the thought of a cooked dinner and stamped at my fire, praying that the wind would blow the last of the smoke to the south, so that whoever was out there wouldn't smell it. Next morning, as I went on, the hills drew closer and became cliffs, Taller cliffs and ridgelines appeared ahead. I was off the map now, but I guessed there must be some opening up there, Wicket Gap, as the man had labelled it, and before long I could see it, a narrow cleft in the grey wall of the mountains. But before I reached it, I had one more barrier to deal with. As the track approached a low rise, the breeze shifted, bringing diesel and wood smoke smells and the sound of distant laughter. I immediately threw myself into the cover of bushes as scenes of savages flashed through my mind. I thought of the men in the back of that huge truck and the way the man with the bones in his hair had looked up at me. But they weren't savages. As I crouched there, a man appeared on the rise to relieve himself. He was wearing some sort of uniform, dark green pants with a wide belt and a singlet of matching colour. He was stocky and muscular and had a crew cut and a full beard. When he half turned to talk to someone behind him, I could see a pump-action shotgun slung over his shoulder. He zipped up his fly and dropped back out of sight, while I wondered what to do next. Was it possible these were soldiers from Central? When it got quieter, I crept along the edge of the track toward the rise. I thought if I could keep my head lower than the scrub, I might be able to peer into their camp without being seen. But they were too clever for me. One of my legs snagged a nylon line, and three hubcaps that were anchored to the end of it came clattering out of the bush in which they'd been wedged. Instantly, there was an explosion of deep-throated barking from over the rise. Someone said, Let him off! I turned and bolted, shedding my pack as I heard the heavy paws thudding behind me. I crashed through a low bush, leapt and grabbed the branch of a dead tree. As I pulled myself up, I felt something bump up against the sole of my right boot, and looked down to see the foam-flecked teeth of the big Alsatian as it prepared to leap again. But then there was a whistle and someone said, Oi, get out. The dog gave another bark before bounding back to rejoin its masters. There were three of them coming toward me now. The bearded man with the overalls was walking alongside a younger man in grease-smeared overalls who held an oversized torque wrench. A third man, grey-haired, straight-backed and muscular, strode beside them, pulling a pistol from his shoulder holster as he drew close to my tree. Well, what have we here? he said. Who are you, kid? Chris, I said. I'm trying to get to Wicked Gap. I was told this was the way to get to the treatment centre. Treatment centre, he said. Who told you this was the way to a treatment centre? 
a guy I met up at the pass at Horeb. Off to the side, the man with the beard began pulling things from my carry pack. Look at this, chief, he said, holding out my water bottle. Got a book in there, too. The man with a pistol raised an eyebrow and gestured at the gear. Where do you get this stuff? From the man, I said. I mean, he left it for me. I didn't see him. You didn't see him? I was blind. But you got better. Pretty much, I said. And did your invisible man tell you his name? No, I didn't get a chance to talk to him. The men looked at each other and laughed. Kid, I think you better come down so we can have a chat. Why? What do you want to know? I want to know where you really got that gear. You see, the only folks who carry bottles and books like that are either agents or reverts. So we're thinking that maybe you've been murdering folks and taking their stuff. No, it's like I said. Up down. It's not a request. What about your dog? Buddy will hold on to him, won't you, buddy? He said, calling to the young man in overalls. Yes, sir. He stepped forward and grasped the animal's collar, though it continued to make a low growling noise as it stared at me. I hesitated for a moment and swung down off the trunk to join them. Where are you from, kid? said the grey-haired man. Spillin', but I've been on the road for a while now. Are you guys from Central? They laughed again. Not exactly, kid. We're with the other side. I'm Lieutenant Bird. This gentleman with a shotgun is Sergeant Beals, and that's Private Lyle holding loose. We're Horde. Homeland reaction and defence. Okay, I said. So am I under arrest or something? The man shook his head. No, you're not under arrest. We can't let you keep going the way you're going, that's all. I was just going to get treatment, I said. You were going to get slayed. Come on up to our camp and we can tell you about it. I followed them over the rise to a clearing in the scrub. It was a dusty turning circle with a fire pit at its centre surrounded by two large tents and a hulking pickup. The vehicle had a machine gun mounted above its roll cage and letters H-O-R-D on its side. Showing through the bull dust on the bonnet, I could see a stylized insignia in the shape of a leopard. The place smelled of fuel and smoke, and also faintly of something dead and rotting. I wrinkled my nose and looked around, but I couldn't see its source. None of the other men seemed troubled by it. The lieutenant pointed to a stump by the fire while Beals went into the tent and returned with a kettle and cups. Buddy Lyle tied up the still-growling Alsatian to the bull bar of the pickup. "'I don't think your dog likes me,' I said to the lieutenant. Well, he doesn't like agents or reverts or their gear. I looked around at the men, noticed a cyst on Beale's neck and a cluster of things around Buddy's knuckles. Bird seemed pretty clear, but maybe there was something on his jawline. What's a revert? I said. Reverts are central lovers, kid. They go to crux and get their brains fried and then they wander all over the place making trouble for us. Like agents? Agents are a special kind of revert. He gave me a sharp look as he passed me a coffee cup. Was it an agent who sent you this way? It was at first. We had one come to Spillin and she gave me a leaflet about the tox. But the other guy, I don't know what he was. Like like I said, I didn't see him. Yeah, you said you were blind, and yet you seem to be okay now. How did that all go? I got blundered by this cube thing up at Horeb and then the guy came and fixed me. Did he say where he was from? Inject you with anything, said Beals. No, he just spat in a cup and got me to stick it in my eyes. I saw Beals and the lieutenant exchange another glance. How about that, said Bird. Sounds like a regular psycho. That's what I thought. But it worked. Well, kid, I haven't heard that one before. Don't know what to make of it. 
But I gotta tell you, it's a good thing you bumped into us. He sipped on his coffee. Did that agent or your mystery man tell you what they actually do to folks at Crux? Or after? said Beals. No, I think I read that there was an injection. But did they tell you what the injection does? said Bert. No, why, what does it do? Does a whole lot of stuff. Changes your brain, rewrites your DNA. They'll tell you they have to do it because you're so full of tox and every cell is affected. But what they really want to do is take you over and make you into one of their little lackeys. You think you can just go and get a shot, but that's not how it works. First thing they make you do is pledge allegiance. Then they'll tell you the only way the cure will really work is if you do what they say. So you have to be their messenger boy and go wherever they tell you, said Beals. I looked down at the cup in my hand and wondered how much of what they were saying was true. The idea that the treatment was just a trick to control people sounded just like what Mayor Strickton had told me, which was enough to make me suspect it. Neither the agent nor the man at Horeb had seemed slave-like or robotic. Maybe they've got a right, I said. Who's got a right? Central. To make you a slave? What the hell are you saying, boy? Maybe they've got the right to bake us pledge. I mean, this all used to be theirs, didn't it? Yeah, we got our freedom. He turned to Beals and shook his head. Do you hear this kid? I'm trying to help him. Maybe he can't be helped, said Beals. Maybe he's already chimeric. Cause of some darn spit? No, I reckon he just doesn't like us telling him what to do. He shouldn't be listening to Central there, said Beals. That's right, said Berg, looking at me. He shouldn't. You know what Central does when they get their hands on you? I shook my head. They hook you up to a brain scanner and dig through your past. Whatever you've done, whatever dirty little secrets you've got squirreled in there, he reached and tapped a finger on my forehead. They'll ferret it out. What do you think they'll find in your skull, kid? Some of the people we pick up out east. They spend years tramping all the way around the country. Working hard, thinking they'll make the Pantark happy. And then they finally get to the processing station, and Central puts them in the scanners and rejects them. You should see the look on their faces. Well, I can't go back to Spillin', I said. I left because I've got a thing on my neck. And if I go back with it, they'll send me away again, or... You don't have to go back there, said Bert. You could go to Delice. Nobody's going to put you down for having a cyst there. If you really want treatment, you could try Ockham. They've got a cure. Oh, there's Adel, said Beals. Yeah, Adel has the best meds of all of them. That's where our base is. We could take you there. I looked between them. Couldn't help feeling there was something staged about the way they'd managed the last exchange, as if Adel were the option they were angling for me to pick. I wondered whether the meds of Adel were like the cure at Ockham. How come I've never heard of you guys before? Because you're from Spillin, and old Strickton likes to pretend he's a one-man army. Doesn't like us coming around in the daylight. But he pays his dues like all the rest, lets us know when he's sending out his people. But we've been keeping you safe, like we do with all the other towns. Safe from what, the Savs? Yep, and from Central. Why do you think they haven't rolled in and wiped you out? I heard it was because they were giving us a chance to get treated, so we wouldn't get wiped out with the cleanse. The man laughed and flicked the last of his coffee into the fire as he stood up. You've been reading that book in your bag? A bit. Then you should know they don't have much of a problem killing people. This much was true, I conceded. But the idea that men such as these were holding Central back seemed ridiculous to me. So what's it going to be? said Bird. Adel, Delise, or Ockham? 
What if I just want to keep going? I said. The lieutenant tilted his head. Well, that would be disappointing, he did. On the other side of me, Beals looked at the lieutenant and gave a smile that made a cold, prickling sensation break out across my chest. I want to say I told you so, boss, he said. But I told you so. Dope or dice? Bird turned to respond, but was immediately cut short by an explosion of noise from the Alsatian. The dog was straining on its collar, dragging against its rope. This time, it wasn't looking at me, but back toward the track. He's hearing something, said Buddy. Something's coming. Go and take a look, said Bird. Shut up, Luce. Lyle loped to the edge of the camp and peered west. I got to my feet and started looking around for places to run. Between the barks, I could hear the drone of a distant engine. I don't like the sound of that motor, said Bird. What do you see, Buddy? It's one of them, all right, said the boy. Right on cue, said Bert. He shot out an arm and grabbed me by the shirt collar, jerking me off balance and making me collide with the bearded man. Get him out of sight, he said. <laughs>